0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the HRO Growth Show, where we believe that PEOs and HROs are the best-kept secret of small business success, that there's plenty of opportunity for all of them and every reason to grow. I'm your show host, Ryan McInerney, and with me as always is Brandon Laws. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, Ryan. Good to talk with you again. Man, it's great to be back together. It's uh, it's good to be on It's an interesting subject today. I think everybody is going to enjoy this. So if you're in marketing or you're in sales, you're probably going to get a lot out of this. And if you're a leader who leads those teams, I think you're going to really love this. This this is for everybody. And essentially what we're tackling today is holding marketing accountable. That's the overarching narrative here is how do we keep marketing accountable to produce whatever outcome you intend for it in your business? Uh, this could be for generating more revenue. It could be for you know generating more demand or interest or familiarity of your brand in a market that you are looking to reach out to in the near future. There's lots of different things that marketing can do. We're going to talk about that today, and a lot of this is going to be picked up right off uh, Brandon from a conversation that you had recently with a few other PEO friends that you get together with on a on a regular basis. So, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, we, we talk monthly about various marketing topics and, and tactics that we're using. And yesterday, we talked about really lead generation and how many leads we're getting per month. But it really spun into this conversation about data and how we're all tracking it. <laughs> we all seem to be doing it differently. So I thought it'd be fun to just really talk about that and like, what's the right way to do it?
0: I totally agree. So why don't why don't you go ahead and pick us up from what where that conversation left off and let's see if we can get into that today so that all our hearers or all our listeners can join in on the fun.
1: Yeah. So context on the the conversation itself, we we really wanted to talk about how many leads are we generating per month. And really when we started looking at how we were tracking the leads that we were getting, we all sort of were tracking it differently. Like for example, I report on revenue sources and where where the actual revenue is coming from in terms of the sales, I don't track and and report on it. I do track it. I just don't report on the leads that we're getting like MQLs, which would be like, you know, marketing qualified leads. So downloads or webinar attendees, somebody that fits the profile, but isn't quite that sales qualified lead. And so some of the other PEOs are tracking both of those and they're reporting on that. And so... We all have sort of different sources and points in ways we're collecting data and we're all sort of getting leads from different sources, um, some more than others, some through pay-per-click and some through organic search and, and other ways. And I thought it was just, it was interesting. What I came away from is that we all have data issues right now, whether it's the systems that we're tracking or we're just focused on the wrong things or maybe some of the right things. and. What I want to know from you, Ryan, because you live in this world and you talk to a lot of different people and you consult on this, is what's the right way to to report back to the business? So that that president, that CEO, what's still like the most simplistic way to report on marketing activity and sales activity? Because I think reporting on some of the basic tactics like here's how many people downloaded our white paper and like the MQL stuff, I I don't know if that's important to them. Whereas like I I was just like, revenue seems to make the most sense because they care about that. What's your opinion on that?
0: I think it's a great question. So this was a conversation I was having with one of uh, our clients just yesterday afternoon. And we were beginning to work on a 2019 vision. And this is really what sets the stage. We asked the organization, if we were to uh, hit a, a certain milestone at the end of 12 months and the end of 36 months, what would those metrics be? What should the measurement be? And often it's a growth goal. So we want to go from X number of a certain type of client to Y number of a certain kind of client. So for a lot of PEOs and HROs, they might say, we want to go from this many worksite employees to that many worksite hmm. employees by a particular date. And we reverse engineer from that. We, we get each team together and say, okay, this is a goal that in order for us to achieve it, we're going to have to do things differently. Then we've done them in the past. We start to look at what behavior should we change? What's our data across all of the things that we do today? Our website traffic for marketing, maybe the number of people that convert at the middle of the funnel, the middle the bottom of funnel, and how much of that turns into revenue. So there's different metrics there. Sales might be, what's their close rate? What's their speed to close rate? The volume of outbound prospecting calls, the volume of outbound sales emails, and service might be looking at which lines of the business create the most friction, and could potentially cause a net loss of clients. And that would prevent us from achieving that goal. So really, we, we work our way back from there. And that's what decides when the entire team's present and the senior leader is in the room. They're then saying, okay, my sales team is going to move from X to Y by this deadline. They're going to move this big area of the business to achieve this growth goal. And the sales team, they're going to work in a similar fashion to go from X to Y. And then my service team, they're going to go from X to Y. Now, whatever activities any of these teams do, whatever metrics they need to impact, we'll call them lead measures, whatever metrics they need to impact to make that happen is now the metrics they report in on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. What efforts they're going to do to contribute to those may be organic and may be determined in 30 day increments, but those are going to be the metrics that senior leadership has said that's what I want you to tell me about how we're doing. I agree. If you were to affect change in these, you know, three or four areas, you would achieve your big marketing goal for the mm-hmm. year to get us from X to Y. And that's what I want your report to look like.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Like in, in all, honestly, like I, I think about that, same thing as you like, I, I look at the marketing the same way and in, in collecting data. The problem I have and what it sounds like other people have is that the inputs are all wrong or the data in from multiple people, like our, our sales teams, our marketing teams, or the tools that we're using. It's all over the place and getting to those metrics that we can report on is like next to impossible. Like I'm pretty good with data and I'm kind of a geek (laughs) and really I I got, yeah, big time. You know that. Come on, man. (laughs) So like my tech stack, I'm using marketing automation, Microsoft dynamics for CRM. I've got Google analytics. I've got podcasting. I've got, I mean, like the list goes on of tools that I'm using and bringing everything together into one system for tracking activity at the very top of the funnel that uh, measuring MQLs all the way to the sales funnel where I'm expecting the salespeople to track their activity, their opportunities, and their actual close dates. And then then we report on revenue. It is just a mess all the way around the spectrum. And I know we're not alone in this. I mean, it's it's not yeah. perfect. We're getting closer and we seem to be making improvements, but it's it's nowhere near perfect.
0: It sounds like there's a lot of complexity and that is definitely what people uh, face is they've each different tool set has its own dashboard, which in a lot of ways feels like getting into different automobiles. Each time you get into a different car, the data that appears on the dash is similar, but it's distinct. And when we look at a one marketing tool or a different CRM, Everybody is trying to create, you know, kind of a center, a central point of truth on everything related to that tool, but not all the tools talk to each other. And sometimes we use a tool in an isolated stage of the sales process or of the buyer journey. And so how do we, how do we harmonize all of that data? There are definitely tools out there, Taboola, Databox, and others Mm -hmm. uh, Domo, that will synergize all of your data into one location. We can put some links full disclosure, some of those are uh, Blue Matter partners, but those data points that are coming from different areas can all be brought into one single tool. And frankly, that's how we handle it because you're exactly right. There are too many different data sets that don't necessarily tell the same story. Let me give you an example of how this might be applied. So you decide that your total goal is that you need to achieve a certain amount of sales qualified leads. Marketing can't impact uh, directly a sale because marketing doesn't close a sale unless you're a, an e-commerce venture, maybe you're just works and you've got some kind of near completion of a deal by the time the lead comes across to the internal sales team. Uh, but they actually use quite a b- big sales force. So marketing can get everything up to a lead that's qualified to talk to sales. When we work our way back, we might say, okay, well, how are we going to get those sales qualified leads? This might be that we need to put them into a nurturing sequence. That occurs after they attend one of your webinars. And now, how are we going to get people into this webinar? Well, we're going to focus on uh, utilizing Facebook and LinkedIn ads with lead forms. So we've got we've got now essentially three different tools in play. We've got our digital advertising in play. We've got our marketing automation, which could be like a HubSpot or Marketo, and then we've got our CRM, which could be Microsoft Dynamics. It could be a you know tool like Client Space or Something else. And I get these three different sets of data. The only way for you to be able to visualize your top, middle, and bottom of funnel or beginning of the buyer journey through the end is to have a central repository of all of that data. But before you can program one of those tools, you need to be data educated. You need Mm -hmm. to know there's there's a series of questions that you need to ask. One of them is how do we know what's working in achieving the goal? Uh, What data will tell me that I'm going to reach the destination that I have in mind? Is it a predictive number? Like if I get this many leads, then I think that we'll be able to close this many of them and therefore hit our revenue target and achieve our return on investment, our ROAS. Is it that I need to focus on generating a certain number of clicks? Is it a certain number of phone calls that take place afterwards? I need to know which metric, if I impact it, is going to have the most success And then you pick a tool that's going to bring all the different data sets from the different places into one central location where you can see it. And, uh, and, and also say, don't you think it's important, especially as you talk about these different tools that everybody is, if they have to manually inputting that information. I mean, that is a, that is also a major problem that people have is that you can have all these reporting mechanisms, but if you don't have people, that are properly updating things, then you're you're going to lose a lot of data.
1: Data in, data out. I mean, it's like if you have bad inputs, you're going to have terrible dashboard reports. And to your point, I I would rather have people manually entering things if that means that the data is going to be excellent. I mean, I'm like, I am type A when it comes to... Getting the data in exactly the way we want it, because we taught you talked about data and seeing what works on the marketing side. And unless you have like historical data, how do you know what to change, you know, upstream to see what actually works downstream, like in terms of conversions and lead generation without the data and good data? How do you even know what to focus on? That's always what I come back to.
0: I think that's where Dr. Deming comes in. You know, he he founded the Agile Lean Movement, which is what we work yeah. from today. This is the, or Toyota, you know, developed its, uh, ona developed its lean processes. Uh, this is where Six Sigma and all these other processes, it all comes down to the, the idea, it's a misquote, but that which does not get measured does not get improved. If you don't know what you want to improve, then you won't know what to measure and you won't know what to do to impact those measurements. It all comes from the end in mind. And, and frankly, I wasn't part of your uh, your call, but I wonder, did was that where everybody was? Did they know what their endpoint needed to be? And they had a careful way of kind of working back one step at a time from the end goal to see, all right, in this stage, how will I know that I have got a, a number that's telling me that I'm on track or off track to achieve the greater goal. Did, is that kind of how they operated or was it no. was was there using different measurements because the end goal wasn't always clear?
1: It, it was not even clear to me. What I what I found was that most of us were always looking at just more volume, like more leads will equal more sales and growth. I think everybody's in sort of growth mode and they la- they have lack of resources. So mm-hmm. just volume was more important. But I mean, we did talk about conversion rates. So I think we're the, the group that I talked to was starting to get to the point where they're, they're measuring close rates by lead sources. So they're starting to really put those pieces together. You know, I've been tracking that for a long time. So if close rates are really low, based on leads coming from a certain source, I'll probably put less resources the next year into that channel or put less money there or whatever it may be. And I think the other people I was, I was talking to, they're kind of thinking the same thing. It was all about just we need more, more leads, more everything. And now that they got their data sort of right, they're starting to figure out, okay, what what, what do we need to focus on? So I think that's it's sort of an iterative process and it just takes a little bit of time.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, I, I was dealing with a uh, an organization this week and asked the question, if marketing could impact anything in achieving the overall goal for the year, you know, what, what would it be? And honestly, the metrics were not bring us more sales qualified leads. The sales team mm-hmm. could essentially perform at the same level of success. They had not reached the bottom or saturated, or reached a saturation in the market. This is a midsize organization and they concluded that the best thing was not to bring in more at the top of the funnel so that it would kind of squeeze through down to the bottom of the funnel over time but rather that they could accelerate if marketing could help accelerate the sales process this is what we call like sales enablement so yeah. rather than saying marketing's job is to bring in 10,000 visitors to the website this month and that for that to have a 2 to 5% conversion rate into the you know, middle of the funnel to get into our webinars and our lead magnets. And and then out of those, we want to get, you know, 10 to 20% of them to convert into a sales qualified lead. They just said, really, the best thing that you could help us do is achieve the goal early. We want these deals that seem to really drag on to go faster because then we can actually exceed our goal through referrals because we'll have brought these clients on board. They'll be in before the big sales peak in September. So marketing now is looking back mm. and saying what can we do to make a sale go faster where are the areas where content would be able to to play a, a key part where are the areas where retargeting ads could keep a a lead that's just gotten active with a salesperson aware of the brand so that they can't uh they you know they can't even so much as browse a competitor without seeing you know uh this brand showing up so now all the energy is to say let's get a, our lead to close Timeline down from 90 days to 60 days. And if marketing can impact that, then that's their win is that, Hey, boss, the metric I was held accountable to was to shave 30% time off of the, you know, lead to close timeline. That's what they're going to be measured for. Now in six months, when referrals dry up, they may be saying, All right, listen, we need to increase this number from X to Y by this date. Now work backwards from that and say, how could I possibly impact that? Where are the areas that I could uh, affect change? And trying to say this, Brandon? One of the things I think why, I, I'll, I'll throw this to you and you tell me what you think, but do you think that maybe part of the reason why there's the chaos is because they're trying to do too many things and therefore they're creating lots of different places where work is getting done and therefore they're creating lots of different disconnected data?
1: Yep, I believe that. I think we, as marketers, there's the shiny object thing. There's so many new tools and and tech. We think we talked about it recently on a podcast where it's just like there's so much to do, or at least at least we feel like we need to be everywhere, and we can't. We need to go our audiences and really focus, but. Because we're trying to be everywhere, we are creating all these different data points. And what's challenging, what you just said about the sales enablement process that just stuck in my head was that... Timeline. It is hard to track that, and how do you know? Because it becomes a feeling for salespeople. Like we're not the close rates are there. It's too long of a sales cycle. It's not fast enough. Like it becomes a feeling until you actually can track every stage. Well, how do you do that if you don't have the right systems in place and in write the right data? It's only over time that you can really figure out how long it truly is, and then figure out where the hangups are and how you, as a marketing team, you can speed up the process. I think there's just way too much to do. And like, it's sort of overwhelming as a marketer. And I know you live in this world. So that's why I was really excited to talk to you about this, because I feel like you have a lot of insight as to what the right process might be in this, this whole sales enablement and, you know, what to focus on. (laughs) I mean, truth be told. totally.
0: Yeah. I think the best thing that most people can do is, is start at cash. Like you talked about, you focus on revenue. That's what the, that's Mm -hmm. what senior leadership cares about. It's not the only thing that they care about, but they do need to know with certainty that I invest money into these programs and they produce what the business is here to do. I mean, it's here to generate a profit Mm -hmm. for its stakeholders and for to fulfill the dreams of its employees. So. How do we get that done when we make an investment into any area of the business, be it technology or marketing or sales or service? So we always start at cash and then we just kind of work on what we might call one funnel at a time. We don't want to increase complexity. We want to reduce complexity so that we can accelerate productivity and sales. We don't want more steps in the factory line. We want fewer steps we don't want more lead sources we want fewer the goal is to actually figure out what are the fewest number of things i can do to achieve the goal when when a general strategizes a military plan their goal is to not distribute their troops across multiple battlefronts mm. their thought is i want to i want to uh, find the most strategic points that i can apply pressure that will get the enemy to cave the fewest number of places with the fewest number of resources and the fewest number of casualties. So, this is my how mind. marketers need to think, <laughs>
1: <laughs> think about. Oh, man. Going you're after you're with it is. me today. I love it. I'm, I'm just <laughs> learning. Let's to sit back. Okay.
0: <laughs> Let's all try to do less. I love what you said, Brandon. I mean, there is a fear of missing out, and there is. When you don't know what works, that's what we talked about in the last episodes. If you're listening now and you're thinking, what are they talking about? You got to go back to the last episode. Listen to all the episodes, but go back to the last one because that's really where we talk about knowing, you know, we talked about being a media company or producing a lot of media, but it all comes down to the same thing is that we want to do the least amount of work as possible to achieve the highest possible output as fast as we can get it. Now, that doesn't mean we need to make everything go faster than it should, but rather we don't want to have any drag in the system. So where can I apply pressure and get the outputs that I need? And then honestly, you know, where that comes back to, it all comes back to the, to the lean movement. It all comes back to the idea of, uh, it's actually goes back to the quality movement and that, you know, Edward uh, Deming is kind of the superhero of, of all of that. And reading resources as a marketer on the, that kind of style of execution Will really help them to speak the language of the business, which will give give them a lot of equity, relationship equity with the senior leadership team. And then they need to also understand: listen, boss, what my job is to do around here is to create less, so that we can do more. Oh my gosh! I mean every every senior leader that hears that is going to is going to be delighted. When sales and marketing people fight, they fight because one says you we, you know. We need more leads and the sales team, you know, is pushing on them and the marketers are saying, well, what are you doing with the leads? You know, we get better at how you handle the leads. Well, what we want is the fewest number of leads in our system. We want the fewest number of leads in our system that we can manage so that we can apply far more pressure than our competition can on those 50 leads. We want to have 50 really strong opportunities to work and nurture, not 500. 500 is unmanageable. No one can wrap their brain around that. And no matter how many different data reporting tools you connect to that, you just cannot wield the horsepower to be able to maximize those numbers. So what you need to do is have 50 people you know by name that you are going to apply an exponential, extraordinary amount of effort on those people until they close. In fact, account-based marketing follows this mindset. Let's find fifty to a hundred accounts that we want to close in the next twelve months. That comes out to ten accounts a month, or maybe you make that number smaller depending on your size. We want to we want to close twelve accounts in the next twelve months. All right, so let's work off a list of say a hundred and hope that we'll close ten percent of that. Achieve our goal. Who are in our space? the top 100 clients that we would want to have on board with us by the end of this year. Let's get 10 of them this year, 10 or 15 or 20 the next year, and then the rest will tie them up on year three. And then you just apply your pressure on all, all those accounts until you close them. And that, that'll allow you to do less. you will have a lot less data to track, a lot less marketing to produce, a lot less things to host and manage and publish mm-hmm. and ship. And you'll be able to say, we did a thing, we know how well it did, and we can actually tell you the impact it had on the business. The only way you can get to simple is to start.
1: Yeah, totally. Simple. Yeah. (laughs) I I think uh, I think you came up with an idea for a future episode, which is how do you apply the pressure to those hundred people? Like there's probably so much meat on the bone right there, which I I like how you just teased it. But I think people need to know (laughs) how to do that.
0: (laughs) We are. I think we we should definitely do an episode on that. That's we're going to put that in there. In fact, I think we should tell everybody a couple of the things that are coming up in the near future, and we can uh, we can get into that now. Well, the first thing is we've got some interesting. uh, We've got some different shows that are coming up. In fact, in two weeks, we're going to be joined by Brad Adams from Sales Gravy. You've heard me mention his name if you've been a, a listener of the show up till now, and I I let him know. I said, you know, are you are your ears ringing? Have you have you been hearing us talk about you and and he's actually engaged with some of the content. And so he's going to be joining us on the 18th. So that'll roll out to uh, the public about a week later. And we've also got a couple of other episodes that are coming up that we've been talking about beyond going just how do we hold marketing accountable uh, so that it performs sales. But what are some of the specific efforts? What are some of the tactical efforts? We're going to get down into take a last episode in this episode and then drill down into some of the tactical efforts. One of the shows that are coming up in the next two is to really look at even webinars. How do you do a level 10 webinar that's going to achieve the kind of leads you need, both that are going to nurture your existing clients for loyalty and referrals, and so that you can get more people into your funnel that aren't there already? It's one of the most compelling ways. And while you might think, oh, we're doing webinars already, I'm telling you, you are not doing level 10 webinars. <laughs> You're going to want to be on that show to hear that training. That's that is a that's a big training there for you. And then Brandon, you know what's coming up. For, I mean, everybody who is freezing right now is thinking about one state. Florida. There's only one state on everybody's <laughs> mind. I happy to I'm happy to report from Florida today and anybody who's watching this episode, there's a little plug there. We do record these on video and they are hosted on YouTube. Uh, but for anybody who is freezing right now, I want you to know that uh, Pace, who is our our kind show sponsor, they have their annual conference coming up in Destin, Florida, which is is on the Gulf Coast, which is where you have those beautiful, sprawling white sand beaches. That's going to be April 28th to May 1st. So while you're right now walking outside and you're breathing that cold air and it's burning <laughs> your lungs, I want you to think about tanning April Down here in Florida, we've got great speakers working with uh, Tricor Technology, probably bring John Nisley in. We've got Brad Adams coming. I'll be speaking. We've got several other speakers that are lined up. The calendar's coming out. You're going to want to be there. And one of the reasons why this event is distinct, Brandon, is because it's a lot like that group that you're a part of. you got a few PEOs that you are willing to share your secrets with because there is an understanding Mm -hmm. that you are friends in fact, I think the ones you've chosen are not competitors. Correct. Pace goes even further and says, let's keep that mindset, but even be friends amongst competitors. But well, maybe we're even in the same territory, but we're gonna come together here saying, What can we learn from one another that we will not use mm-hmm. against anybody? And that enable cause it because again, there's more than enough there's opportunity so out there. Let's grow the pie. So that that's that's exactly right. You know, one of the Deming quotes is that the, uh, about competition is that competition is not to take business from one another. It's to expand the market. Correct. When competition enters the market, its job is to increase the total size of the market. And that's that's kind of what PACE is all about is saying, how do we collaborate together so that we can be friends and so that we can expand the market because all of our boats rise with that tide And so that's something I'd encourage you guys to come to. You have a really good time and, uh, you know, get out of the cold and come down to Florida and really enjoy yourself. So Brent, I think that's all we have for our show today unless there's anything else that you want to address before we
1: wrap up. No, I'm, I would challenge you, Ryan, that if you have any awesome templates for marketers or salespeople, that you should publish it with the podcast. Give us a, like a dashboard template that we can all use to to track our leads, opportunities, and report back to our CEOs and presidents. I think, uh, I think you should give us some tools.
0: <laughs> all right. All right. You put me up to I it. I will it. go ahead and I'll put in the resources below the podcast, some uh, examples, some visuals, of a funnel and some links for where you can start tracking your data to some dashboards that we've got for you. I'll definitely do that. Uh, We'll make sure that you're a good
1: sport for letting me put you on the spot there. (laughs) Love
0: it. I think that I think it's been a great show. I think we're going to help people uh, be able to move from not knowing what to track and not knowing whether or not you're having results to knowing what to track and being able to say, wow, we did something. It produced the results we wanted. Let's rinse and repeat and do that again next episode, we're going to help you figure out better ways to do some of these things so that you have more success and results that you can be excited for. So make sure that you tune in and join us for the next episode of the HRO Growth Show. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Thanks.